Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. This week, Pastor Brad Britton gives us a very special Father's Day sermon, kicking off a two-part series with the story of Joseph. Pastor Brad gives us a bit of history with the family dynamic and lineage. He also begins to show us how we can persevere with God's help when we're down in the pits. We as always want to thank you for listening and being involved with us here at FUMC Round Rock. We want to encourage you to come say hi to us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at FUMCRR. There you'll find weekly updates of what's going on at the church. You'll also find ways to get involved, ways to give, and can be updated on the amazing things we're doing weekly in our community. Again, we sincerely want to thank you for listening and look forward to hearing from you. Even better, seeing you at one of our services. Okay, this will require some participation, and in particular from dads. So I'm going to make a statement, and then all the dads repeat after me, and you got to do it real forcefully like you believe it, okay? Sound good? All right. I promise before God and this congregation, if there is a yard to be mowed, Today, I will not mow it. That's all it took, really? Uh, We're not done. If there's a nap to be taken, I will take it. If there is anything to be done that is productive... It will not include me. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Good. Okay, that's it. We're done. Now, let's pray. God, help us hear word of hope and grace and love and what you say to us and through us. And today especially, help us to know that you are with us, even on the most difficult of days, you will never leave us or forsake us. And our hope is in you and in Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray, amen. So we are in this uh, series this month on Genesis. We're looking at the patriarchs of of Genesis. Obviously, that begins with Abraham. And last week, Pat uh, preached a story of Jacob and, and Esau, talked about Jacob, Uh, Today, we're going to talk about Joseph, and this is literally one sermon uh, that begins today and ends next Sunday. So uh, when we conclude this sermon, it won't really feel totally finished, but that's by design. If you're not here in town next Sunday, you can listen to it on the podcast later after it's recorded to get get all of it, but it'll be one one sermon in, uh, in two Sundays. Genesis, of course began in the patriarch story in Genesis 12, God called Abraham to leave uh, his country and to go where he would send him and that he'd make him a father of multitudes. And so Abraham and his wife Sarah went, and there was one problem. Sarah was barren, 
And so that obviously presented a big issue. If you want us to, to do this, and this is who you've called me to be. And you remember the story. Uh, Sarah gets the news. She's there in the tent. Three men come and say that this time next year we're going to come back and you'll have a child. And she laughs at the possibility. Now, I would have laughed too. She was 90. Abraham, 99. And you're going to have a child. And so she laughs. And sure enough... She has the child, and uh, God says to name the child Isaac, which means laughter. Isn't that wonderful? Name him laughter. It's the last time they'll laugh at what they think is impossible. And so the child is born, Isaac. Isaac marries Rebecca. They have twins, Jacob and Esau. Um, Esau, you remember, was born first, Jacob second, and the story goes that Jacob was literally holding on to the heel of his brother as they came out of the womb. And that would make a lot of sense because the rest of Jacob's life, he was always reaching after that for which was not his. In fact, his name means a heel grabber, deceiver. So can you imagine going into a gift shop? You know, you're on vacation and they have those keychains and magnets with your name and it has what your name means. Isaac. Rebecca in the gift shop. Jacob, come on over. Here's yours. Heel grabber right here. Heel grabber. And sure enough, that was his life. Well, he has these 12 sons. Uh, he has these sons through four different women. Rachel and Leah were wives of his, and then each one of their servants. And Joseph, Joseph was his favorite. I've always liked Andrew better than Ben, myself, and our family. We, we speak openly about it at the dinner table. Ben, I just wish you were as good as your brother Andrew. You've disappointed me in so many ways. In fact, we like Andrew so much, we've bought him this special shirt that says Daddy's Favorite, and he's going to wear it to school. Ben, if you're watching online, we love you. But we really love Andrew. No, I'm kidding. Now, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, Jacob, look what he did. Joseph's my favorite. I'm going to make him a special coat just to prove it so you'll never forget that that's my favorite. Now, who does that? Really? So if you were one of the brothers, would that upset you a little bit? Yeah. And to top it off, the story begins with Joseph coming and giving dad a bad report about his brothers. He was telling on them. Now, no one likes a snitch. And so he sends him out into the field. And so there they are with the brothers. And then Joseph begins to have these dreams and he shares his dream. And he's there with his brothers and he says, hey, I had a dream last night. We were out there binding sheaves and my sheaves stood upright and yours bowed down to mine. How'd you like that? Then another dream. Mom and dad are there. Hey, I had another dream. Uh, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars, uh, they all bowed down to me. And the, the reference was obvious. The sun and the moon were the parents and the 11 stars, the brothers. Well, the brothers go off and they're working the fields and they're 50 miles north in Shechem. Jacob sends Joseph there to check on them. So Joseph gets to Shechem and he can't find them. So a stranger says they went 14 miles further north to a place called Dothan. And so he ends up in Dothan. 
Joseph is walking towards his brothers. They see him coming and they say, there's the dreamer. And what do they do? Let's kill him. That'll kill the dreams. You get rid of him and the dreams are over too. And that was the plan as he comes towards them. And sure enough, when he arrives, they tear off his coat and they throw him in a cistern that was empty. Now, those cisterns were such that you did not climb out of a cistern on your own. When you were in the pit, you were in the pit. And one of the brothers said, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea to kill him. Could we, let's just throw him in this pit and, and, and maybe something will happen and God will get him out. And so that's what they did. And then they sat there and had lunch, which I find very odd. Hey, throw him in the pit. Where you want to go eat? Did you make reservations? So they're sitting there eating. Their brother is in the pit, left for dead. And here come some Ishmaelites. And one of the brothers has the idea of, well, let's at least make some money off of him. Let's sell him to them. And so that's what they did. For 20 pieces of silver, they sold their brother into slavery. And 20 pieces of silver was the going rate for male slaves in that that time period. So that was a normal uh, transaction. So they, they sold him. Now they had to go back home and what are we going to tell dad? So they take his coat that symbolized the favoritism and they took some animal's blood, spread it on the, on the coat, went back to dad and said, hey, we found this. We don't know what happened, but... And obviously the message was clear and interesting enough, Jacob the deceiver had now been deceived by his own sons about his son's death. And so Jacob thinks he's dead. And he mourns and mourns and mourns. And, and, and you have to think that he wasn't just mourning because his son had died. He was mourning maybe over how he regretted some things he did as a dad. And he had to have thought, I wish I could go back and do that different. I wish I could rethink when I said that or did that. That's normal. Well, what's going to happen to Joseph now? Started off daddy's favorite, had it made in the shade, even had the coat. Ends up in a pit. Now he's in this entourage going who knows where, sold into slavery, ends up in Egypt, and Potiphar, who served with Pharaoh, actually purchased him to serve in his house. And so Joseph, it says, kind of rose in the ranks in that household. And so things are beginning to look up again. Well, one day, Potiphar's wife who was very attractive to Joseph. In fact, the text says that he was very handsome, good-looking. And she tried to get him to sleep with her, but Joseph resisted. When Joseph ran off, uh, his coat was left behind there. He doesn't have much luck with coats, by the way. And Potiphar's wife took that, and she went to her husband and made up the story that Joseph tried to sleep with her, and she resisted, and this was what was left. And so guess where Joseph ends up? Prison. Thank you very much. 
Now, I get it. He was a snitch, arrogant, because his dad loved him more. But I don't think he deserved to be thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, and now framed and in prison. Where is his life headed? So he's in, in prison, and he has this ability to not only dream, but to interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker were both in prison. Pharaoh was upset with them, so put him in prison. The chief cupbearer's job was to make sure the wine was okay for Pharaoh, not just the taste, but also that no one would poison him. Same thing with the chief baker with the food. So they both had a dream one night, the cupbearer and the chief baker. They wake up in the morning and they're troubled by their dream. And Joseph could tell this. So he said, hey, I, I interpret dreams. Why don't you tell me your dream? So the chief cupbearer said, well, I, I dreamed that there were three branches with grapes on the branches. And I took the grapes and I made them into wine in a cup. And I put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said, well... Here's the interpretation. In three days, your head will be lifted up back to your position as the cupbearer. Wonderful news, right? Well, the chief baker hears this, and he's like, tell me mine. I had a dream too. And the chief baker said, I had three baskets on top of my head, and the top basket had some food in it, and the birds of the air were eating the food off the top of the basket. And Joseph said, okay, here's your interpretation. In three days, your head will be removed by Pharaoh, and the birds of the air will take care of the rest. Wow, that's not what the chief baker wanted to hear, right? And sure enough, that's what happened. Now, the chief cupbearer, Joseph said to him, he said, hey, when you get out, can you put in a good word for me and get me out of here? And the very last verse of Genesis chapter 40, it says, and the chief cupbearer forgot Joseph. Forgotten again in the pit. Daddy's favorite, nice coat, ends up in the pit, sold into slavery, framed, ends up in prison, does another good thing, interpreting the dreams, and now he's forgotten in prison. He's in the pit again. You know, sometimes life's just the pits, isn't it? It really is. You ever been in the financial pit? Anybody ever been in the financial pit and tried to climb out of that? You ever been in the health pit? Oh, no, another medication? I, I can't keep up. Uh, you ever been in the pit of family dysfunction? Certainly not. Nobody, right? That's a tough pit to live in. Then there's the pit of our spirituality where it's those seasons where you wonder, God, what's going on here? I mean, I'm... I'm doing the best I can, and it just feels like I'm in this pit. Well, that's where Joseph was, in the pit. So uh, one thing we can do when we're in the pit is throw a pity party. Pardon the pun. 
Uh, I love pity. Pity parties are kind of fun sometimes, aren't they? Just woe is me. The other thing we can do when we're in the pit is to have some determination and, and believe that part of it is up to us, but really it's up to God. But to know that we're determined and we'll persevere through whatever the, the pit is this week or this month or this year. Uh, there's a story about a 1968 Olympics as in Mexico City. Uh, the marathon runners were running throughout the town and they ended up in the stadium. And of course, they're finishing the race. Everybody's there cheering. And the interesting thing about this marathon is it is known for the person who finished dead last. The race concluded. They had the, the ceremony with the gold and the silver and the bronze winners up on the stage. And sometime after that ceremony, in limps, literally, this Tanzanian runner. And you got to think, okay, if you qualified for the Olympics, you should not be that far behind. I mean, what's up? Well, it turns out early in the race, he had some cramping issues. And then he got tangled up with another runner, fell down, dislocated his knee, and hurt his shoulder. Most runners at that point would just say, okay, I'm done. But they bandaged up his knee, and he kept going, limping into the stadium. And the people cheer as he comes in, and they see what's happening. And they interviewed him after the race, and it's a great quote. After the race, they said, why in the world did you keep going? Because there's no way you were going to win this. No way. Let alone barely finish. And he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a marathon. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a marathon. I love that. I think about God becoming one of us in Jesus Christ. He did not send him to start salvation. He sent him to finish. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. Yeah. So in the pit, whatever the pit is for you today, know that God will climb down into the pit because God's the only one that can pull us out of it no matter what it is. I visited not long ago with a person that's uh, hospice and dying of cancer and we're there in the home visiting and I, I had walked up to the back of the house and I noticed there was this deck in the back and you, it was pretty clear that it was a, a, a new deck. They had just built this deck, you could tell. Went inside and we were visiting there in the living room and uh, she sat there in the recliner, and through the back windows, we could see this deck. And when I came in, I commented on the deck. I said, I really love your deck. That's, that's nice. And so we talked, and I had not met this person before. This is the first time we had a chance to visit. And she talked about her life and family, and she said, yeah, I took this one trip a month ago because that was the last time I knew that I'd be able to go to that special place, and, and I want to take one more if I can, and and then she stopped, and she just looked out at the deck. She just retired a few years ago, looks out at the deck, and 
with regret, she says, my husband and I built that deck because that's where we were going to drink coffee and watch the sunrise. And there was this silence between us. What, what do you say? And, and between her face and the deck, you could almost feel it, that, that sense of being in the ultimate pit of death. But also the hope that God meant what God said when he became one of us, that I'll pull you out of that pit even. And you could just feel it. In a minute, Michael is going to come forward and he's going to sing a song that will help us understand more fully maybe what Joseph was feeling there in the prison. Remember, he'd been forgotten. This is it. Where is God now? And here I am in this pit. And the words to Psalm 34, 18 had not been written yet. But they apply to Joseph just as they apply to you and to me. You know, the interesting thing about the Psalms, if you open the Bible, it's right in the middle. Uh, the rest of the Bible, God's word to us, the Psalms is our word to God. And you know, two-thirds of the Psalms are lament, pouring hearts out to God for, for saving and salvation. The other third is praise and thanksgiving for what God will do. But Psalm 34, 18, you know what it says? And it speaks to you in the pit, believe me. It says, for God is near the brokenhearted. He will save those who are crushed in spirit. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.org.